If you brought a Bible, go to John, please, John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 32 tonight. We're going to be beginning a new series, a Bible study series tonight on the will of God. Vamos a estar esta noche comenzando en Juan capítulo 4 y vamos a estar estudiando una serie de estudios nuevo, nueva sobre la voluntad de Dios. Uh, and uh, how many of you want to do the will of God? How many of you want to know the will of God? Uh, ¿Cuántos quieren hacer la voluntad de Dios y hacer la voluntad de Dios? Uh, conocer y hacer. And so tonight I want to share with you, and we're going to uh, just be discussing this for a couple of weeks, because it is important for every a member of the, of the body of Christ, every believer, to have a good grasp on uh, this important doctrine and teaching from the Word of God. Es muy importante que uh, cada creyente tenga una buena, uh, una buena, ente, buen entendimiento sobre esta enseñanza uh, sobre la voluntad de Dios. There are great blessings that come for those who walk in God's will. Hay gran, hay gran bendición para los que caminan en la voluntad de Dios. And so I want you to be uh, think, uh, thinking about that. I know that we have some uh, graduates this week that are going to be uh, celebrating their high school or college graduation. This is certainly uh, an important topic for you to study and to be aware of. Uh, some of you maybe are, are trying to uh, make some big life decisions, and uh, God, God's will is important uh, for every one of our lives. And uh, it's not a matter of uh, guesswork or, or uh, wishful thinking, but God wants you to know his will. All right, so John chapter 4, verse 31, we'll start there. Juan capítulo 4, verso 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him any food, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case it is true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that which for which you did not labor. Often others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be in the house of prayer. We thank you for your presence among us. And I ask you now to anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation that as we study the word together, their hearts might be open and their ear attentive to what you would say to us tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Well, I want to begin by just kind of defining some terms for us tonight. Quiero a comenzar a con de definir algunos términos. Esta noche, there's a lot of teaching on the will of God. Some of it is good, some of it is not so good. Uh, so I want to help us get a good handle on some definitions tonight. Hay mucha enseñanza sobre la voluntad de Dios y algunas enseñanzas han sido buenas, otras no tan buenas. 
uh, entonces quiero que tengamos una buena perspectiva sobre la voluntad de Dios. I want to speak primarily, begin tonight by defining, first of all, the sovereign will of God. Quiero primero describir lo que sería la, la voluntad soberana de Dios. Uh, I'm adding the word will to it so that we can understand what I'm talking about, but really we're talking about the sovereignty of God. Estamos hablando de la soberanía de Dios. And this basically, uh, when, we, when you see the word sovereign, uh, there's a word in the word sovereign, it's the word reign, and uh, to reign means to rule. And so the word sovereign mean that God, means that God overrules. Okay, God is sovereign over everything. Uh, cuando hablamos de la palabra soberano, estamos hablando de una persona que uh, gobierna sobre todo. And there's only one sovereign. Uh, in, uh, if you go to any country that's a monarchy, they have a sovereign. Queen Elizabeth is the sovereign of uh, the United Kingdom. But uh, in the world, in the universe, there's really only one sovereign, and that's God. Hay un soberano en to todo el mundo. Yes, it's Dios. That means that God reigns over everything. Uh, we, we said last, uh, the last couple of weeks that he reigns in heaven and he reigns on earth. Hemos dicho que el reina en el cielo y el reina en la tierra. And so when we talk about the sovereign will of God, we're talking about God's plan which cannot be altered or changed. Estamos hablando de la, de la voluntad soberana de Dios. Estamos hablando del plan de Dios el cual no puede ser Cambiado. Uh, you and I do not have to agree with God in order for his sovereign will to come to pass. Usted y yo no tenemos que ponernos de acuerdo con Dios para que su voluntad uh, soberana se cumpla. God's will is going to come to pass whether you and I want to or not. Uh, he, he has decided that the sun's going to rise and set every day. And you might decide, you know what, tomorrow the sun's not rising. Well, guess what? It's going to rise anyway. You can stomp your foot and you can, uh, you can do everything you want, but you cannot change that about the sovereignty of God. He has not asked you for your opinion or my opinion. He, is, uh, he has established his plan. Uh, él ha establecido su plan y en su soberanía su plan se va a llevar a cabo. And so... Uh, when, you, when you think about the will of God, uh, what we're, not, we're really not thinking about the sovereign will of God. When I say, do you want to do the will of God? And you say, amen. We're really not talking about the sovereign will of God because you don't have a choice in the matter. Now, the next thing that we need to think about is the, the will of command. Luego está la voluntad de el mandato. This is the will of God that he has commanded us to do. Now we have the commands of God. And this is also called the will of God. También aquí tenemos en los mandatos de Dios la voluntad de Dios. These are God's commands over our life. And we must enter into them by faith and obedience. Tenemos que entrar a sus mandamientos a través de la fe y la obediencia. All right, one of the commands of God in the Bible is that all men everywhere should repent. Uno de los, uh, de los mandatos de Dios en la Biblia es, uh, dice que Dios manda que todos los hombres en todos los lugares se arrepientan. The Bible says 
that God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Now there's a choice involved in that. Every man and woman everywhere has to decide whether they're going to enter into obedience to God by faith or not. Now some Bible teachers call that the permissive will of God. I don't uh, call it the permissive will of God. I don't really believe in the permissive will of God. I either believe you're obeying God or you're not. Uh, the permissive will teaching says that God permits you to not obey and then uh, yada yada. Well, you really, you, it's black and white, right? You either do God's will or you don't. And if you don't do God's will, you're not getting permission. You are violating God's will. So when he says he commands all men everywhere to repent, that's part of his command. I'll give you a couple other commands uh, from God that are his specific will for our life. Uh, the Bible says, uh, for instance, that um, you are not to be yoked together with an unbeliever. Uh, so God has a command over, over believers, and he says when you go to get married, make sure that who you marry is a believer. That's part of the will of God for your life. If you're going to get married, that's part of God's will for your life. And that's a command from God. Now, you have to decide, am I going to obey that command or am I not going to be, obey that command? And then you will know whether you're walking in the will of God or not. Okay? So at the very beginning, the very essential things about knowing whether you're walking in God's will or not come down to whether or not you're obeying what God has said in his word concerning you. And concerning life and godliness. Para, para comenzar, vivir en la voluntad de Dios es simplemente obedecer lo que Dios ha revelado en su palabra y hacerlo uh, en obediencia a Él. And if you're doing that, you've already begun to walk in the will of God. So I, I look at you tonight and I can tell most of you, if not all of you, are walking in God's will. You've made a decision in your life that you want to know what God's word says, and you want to do what God's word says, and you are now uh, set on a course to do the will of God. Say amen if that's true for you. All right, now, so you have those two things, the sovereign will and the command, the commanded will of God. I'll give you an example of the sovereign will. You remember Queen Esther? Uh, si usted se recuerda de la reina Esther, uh, usted va a ver un ejemplo de la, de la voluntad soberana de Dios. Uh, there was a plot to destroy the Jewish people in the time of Esther. Había un plan para destruir el pueblo judío durante la época de Esther. And Esther was the queen of, of Persia. Esther era la reina de Persia. And Esther was a Jew. Ella era judía. You think that's a mistake? You think that's a coincidence? You think that's an accident of history? No. Who put her there? God put her there. And you just think about this. There's a Persian plan to destroy the Jews. And guess who the queen is? A Jew. So Mordecai comes to Esther, who is afraid to do anything about this situation. And he says to her, Esther, deliverance will arise for, for the Jews from somewhere if you do nothing. But you will not escape. El, el, uh, el uh, primo de Esther, um, uh, Mardoqueo, viene a ella y le dice, Esther, uh, hay este plan para destruir a los judíos. Tú tienes miedo, no quieres hacer nada, 
pero tú eres, estás en una posición para hacer algo. Si no haces nada, salvación vendrá a los judíos de alguna parte, pero tú no te escaparás. Now listen to those words. What's he saying? He's saying God's will is to deliver the Jewish people. And the Jewish people will be delivered. And his command is for you to deliver them. But if you don't do his command, his sovereign will is still going to get done. And there's, there's going to be a deliverance from somewhere. But you will not escape. You're not going to get out of this like you think you are if you do nothing. So you see there how God uh, is, is uh, letting us see the two sides of this. There's deliverance in God's plan, and God wants to use Esther. But if Esther won't do her part, God will find a deliverer somewhere else. See, God's plan is never going to be held up by rebellious people. It's amen, somebody. Amen. And uh, whether you and I decide we're going to do it or not do it, he's, he's giving us the opportunity to get on, on his page or to rebel against him. But ultimately... Uh, he's going to get done what he has planned. And the Bible tells us, of course, that Esther was uh, bold enough and courageous enough to go and face uh, the king. And she delivered her people because now she was walking in obedience to the will of God. Now she was doing what God had commanded her to do. And so I want you to be uh, conscious and aware of that tonight as we go through this study. Now, I read to you from the Gospel of John because this is one of the one of the pictures that we get, the glimpses of the life of Jesus. Now, the life of Jesus, I would think and say, was a successful life. Would you agree? Ahora, hemos leído de Juan capítulo 4, y ahí vemos un ejemplo, el ejemplo de la vida de Jesús. Y yo diría que la vida de Jesús era una vida exitosa. Entonces, tenemos un ejemplo de una persona exitosa. How many of you want to live a successful life? Well, here's the rule, the the ingredients for that successful life. The Bible tells us here that the disciples had gone into town to get lunch. Uh, and uh, I don't know if they went to Whataburger or Burger King or Taco Bell, but they went into town to get lunch. Los discípulos entraron a la aldea para comprar uh, un almuerzo, una comida, y uh, durante ese tiempo Jesús estaba hablando con la mujer samaritana. While they were in town on the lunch run, Uh, Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. All right, you remember that? Then they got back, regresaron a, a donde Jesús estaba, and they tried to give him his, his tacos, right? Le vinieron a darle a Jesús la comida, and he's, he didn't want any food. Now, he was tired, and they went into town to get food because they knew he was hungry, but now he didn't want any food. Ellos le ofrecen la comida, y él dice no, y ellos le dicen Uh, alguien le trajo comida okay they, they asked did somebody bring him food while we were gone and Jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me Jesús les dice mi comida es hacer la voluntad del que me envió now that is the the absolute essential key tonight for you and I to live a successful life is to be sold out to the will of God para vivir una vida exitosa en nuestra vida, tenemos que estar semejantemente, completamente rendidos a la voluntad de Dios. So this is the first principle I want you to write down is the principle of commitment. Este es el principio del de de compromiso. 
You and I will never be truly prosperous and blessed, successful in life, until we have fully committed to doing the will of God. Nunca tendremos éxito completo en nuestra vida hasta que nos hayamos rendido completamente a la voluntad de Dios. And so, until a man or woman has been fully surrendered and committed to the will of God in their life, they're going to always have a limitation to how much they can achieve and succeed in life. Because see, God's very jealous. Dios es muy celoso. And he will not share the stage with anybody. So if you say, Lord, I want to obey you on these things, but not obey you on these other things, you cannot expect a, a, the, the uh, full flow of God's blessing and favor over your life. There's always going to be a hindrance, a resistance there. Because God is looking for people who will say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. All that I do, all that I am, is to do the will of God. And uh, to be completely sold out to that. Now look at Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verse 5 and 6. Vea Proverbios capítulo 3, versos 5 y 6. Now most of you uh, have this memorized, so I don't have to uh, read it to you, but I want you to see it with me. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbios uh, 3, 5 uh, y 6. It says, trust in the Lord with what? With what? All your heart. And lean not in your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him. What does it say? In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I want you to think of that. That's an often quoted verse. Very important verse. Because there's a recipe there. For success. If you want God to bless all of your ways, all of your ways, that means your financial ways, your relationship ways, your educational ways, all of your ways. How many of you want God to bless all of your ways? Then what do you have to do? Trust him with all of your heart. That's a commitment of everything. Sold out. I'm sold out. To God's will. All right? I, and I'm telling you personally now. I'm sold out to God's will. Now, I'm going to scare you now, okay? Don't want you to panic. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to scare you. All right? If he told me tonight, Isaac, I want you to pack up. I'm moving you out of Kingsway. I'm taking you somebody else, somewhere else. Guess what? I wouldn't bat an eye about it because I'm sold out completely to God's will. Now, I can tell some of you aren't because you're like, no, no, I, no. You should say amen. No, pastor, no. Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. We have, to be, we have to be committed to all of God's ways. He says, trust him with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't depend on what you know, your experience. All of those things are important and useful. But in order to have success, you need to depend on God. And then he says, he will, uh, he will, do not lean on your own understanding, and in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. All right, so that's God's promise over the life of any person that just says, God, whatever you want, you've got it. Esta es la promesa de Dios para cualquier vida 
que le dice al Señor, lo que tú quieras, lo tienes. God is looking for those kinds of people. Dios está buscando hoy personas que digan, Señor, lo que tú quieras, lo tienes. Si quieres que yo vaya de misionero, lo tienes. Si quieres que yo dé uh, más en una ofrenda, lo tienes. Si quieres que yo diga algo, lo tienes. If you want me to, to go as a missionary, you've got it. If you want me to uh, give away all my money, you've got it. If you want me to sit down and be quiet, you've got it. Whatever you say, you've got it. And what happens is that you and I, when we do that, we go on to what I call the risk matrix. All right? Now, I want you to just think about a spider web for a moment. You see a spider web, and on that, on that spider web is that spider. That, whole spy, that spider's whole life is on that web. And when that web comes down, that whole life's coming down with it. Now, most people... They, they uh, never actually get on the web. They just like to live on the edges, on the surface. God says if you're going to be completely successful, you're going to have to get out there where the only one who can catch you is me. And here's the thing that happens. When you get out there on the risk matrix, that means that now it's win, lose, or, or draw. I'm going down with the house. I'm going down with Jesus. I'm going down with God. All right? Now, all of a sudden, something starts to happen in your life. It comes from God to make you successful. And I'll give you an example. A lot of pastors uh, who come in, 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 uh, in some denominations, pastors are, stay for a, a year or two, and they move on. So a lot of pastors will come in. They'll stay for two years, and they'll go to another place, and another place, and another place. And they never see much success anywhere. Why? Because they haven't gotten onto the risk matrix. They have not fully committed to that region. And so, until a pastor is fully committed to a region, God can't fully bless them in that region. You understand? So, that's why when I, the moment I knew God called me to Beeville, I was fully committed to Beeville. All right, I'm not looking around and sniffing around to see if there's a bigger church or a church with a bigger parsonage or uh, another town with more opportunities. Don't worry about that. I'm not looking around for that because this is where God has revealed to me that he wants me. And guess what? The moment I decided this is where I'm staying, God just started throwing in all the ingredients that I needed to be successful here. And he's given me vision, and he's given me plans, and he's given me people, and he's given us strategy, and he's given us success. Would you say yes? yes. So if you want to live life on the, well, let's see, let's see what else is out there. Um, th if you're doing that in your marriage, guess what? Your marriage is not going anywhere. Let's see what else is out there. Nothing else is out there. All right? And until you commit fully. You say, God, whatever you want, you've got it. Then you can't have all that God has. Uh, I've told you this story before, but there's a little boy that has a bag full of candy, and there's a little girl that has a bag full of marbles, and they decide they're going to trade. All the, all the marbles for all the candy. Except the little boy with the bag full of candy, he takes out two pieces of candy before he gives the bag away. And the little girl gives all the marbles And then he takes, uh, or she, he gives away the candy, and she takes the marbles or what, whatever the case. And that night, she's sleeping soundly, and he's 
sitting in his bed wondering, I wonder if she gave me all the marbles. That's how some of you live with God. I wonder if God's holding out on you because you're holding out on him. But when you say, God, here's all the candy. I have nothing left. And he gives you what he gives you, you know. I've got all of God. He's completely committed to my success because I'm completely committed to his will. Here's what starts happening. The first thing that we see happen is that vision comes into your life. Lo primero que ocurre cuando una persona se dedica completamente a la voluntad de Dios es que la visión viene a su vida. How do we know that? Because Jesus, right here in this passage, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And then he said, you say that it's four months and then comes the harvest. But I say, look now. The harvest is ready now. You see, the disciples could only see in the natural. They saw that if you plant a seed today, it's going to take about four months to get a harvest. But Jesus had planted the seed in the woman's heart, and two minutes later, there was a harvest coming out of that town to hear the word of God and to give their life to, to Jesus. Think about that. And so Jesus now is operating in the supernatural power of God, and he's seeing things that the natural man cannot see. Why? Because he's fully committed to doing the will of God. So if you're, if you're living without vision today, let me just encourage you. I talked about vision uh, last uh, on Sunday. I want to encourage you again about vision because if you're living without vision, you need to check whether or not you are committed to God's will or whether you're pulling back and holding back some of the levers in order to not give it all entirely to the Lord. Now, you don't have to give it entirely to the Lord, but until you do, you will not have a clear vision about what God wants to do in your life, and you won't have success. It starts right there. But when you do that, when you make that decision, God opens up your spiritual eyes to see what he wants to do, to see what he's going to uh, do in your life. And I'm going to touch on this in a moment, but let me mention it right now. We always want to see first and do second. God says, do first and see second. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Say amen, somebody. Now, the second thing that happens is that when you give your full commitment, total commitment to the will of God, your judgment becomes sound. Lo segundo que ocurre cuando usted da un compromiso total a la voluntad de Dios, es que su juicio se hace un juicio cabal, un juicio sano. Look at John chapter 5, verse 30. Mire Juan capítulo 5 y el verso 30. John 5:30. Jesus says, I can do nothing of my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. How many of you would like to have sound judgment? Nobody said amen. One or two. How many of you would like to have sound judgment? That means when you make a decision, that thing stands. And it was a good decision. And you don't have to, you don't have buyer's remorse two minutes after you've made it. How many of you would like to think like that? And make decisions like that? Well, Jesus said, my judgment is sound. Why? 
Because I do the will of him who sent me. Think about that. Listen, look at that verse. I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So when you start living according to God's will, you say, God, I want to do what your word says. I want to live completely by your will, whether my flesh likes it or not, whether my natural man understands it or not. When you start to live in that capacity, you not only receive vision, but you receive sound judgment. Because now you're making decisions by the Spirit. You're making decisions with the help of God. And Jesus says now your judgment is just. And it's going to be sound because you're not going after your flesh. Listen, you know how fickle the flesh is. The flesh changes its mind. That's why if you make decisions in the flesh, it, makes, it sounds like a good decision tonight. Tomorrow morning is a terrible decision. That's why we always tell you to sleep on it, right? Because when your flesh sleeps on it in the morning, you get a better revelation of it. Well, when you're doing it by the Spirit, you don't have to sleep on it. In fact, you can sleep on it. When you wake up, you're still going to be in the right same spot. Because God is leading your decision-making in your life. So if you want sound judgment, sell out completely to God's will. Why is this so important? Because there's always, if you're, if you're sold out to the voice of God and the will of God, your voice and other men's voices no longer can interfere. But when you're not sold out to the will of God, you put God's voice and your voice and their voice all on the same level, and you don't know who to believe. And you don't know who to listen to. you got to decide, God's going to have the word in my life. The last word. And I'm going to do it his way and according to his will. Now, look at what uh, Hebrews, pardon, what 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17 says. Ahora, primera de Juan, capítulo 2, verso 15, 17. This is the third thing that happens when you uh, sell out completely to doing God's will. Esta es la tercera cosa que ocurre cuando usted se dedica completamente a la voluntad de Dios. Can you give me that, please? 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Well, we'll read what it says here. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Verse 17, please. And the world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God, what? Lives forever. So listen, when you sell out completely to the will of God, you're going to have stability in your life. How many of you like some stability in your life? ¿Cuántos quieren estabilidad en su vida? Pues si usted se dedica a hacer la voluntad de Dios, va a haber estabilidad en su vida. Now John tells us here the great comparison. You do things the world's way, you're going to be guided by the world's lust, the world's pride. The world system. And that is very easy to shake. All has to happen is the stock market drops a little bit and the world system starts shaking. But when you decide, I'm going to live by the will, will of God, I'm going to do God's will, God's word in my life. He says, the one who does the will of God abides forever. He's stable. Good economy, bad economy, stable. People are... Walking out on your life, you're stable. People are walking into your life, you're stable. You're cool. 
That's what cool means. Doesn't mean you have nice sunglasses. It means that you don't get shaken up by every little wind. Now, how do you, how do, why does that happen? Because when you've sold out to the will of God, you know God's got this. God's in control. I don't have to panic because God isn't panicking. Say amen, somebody. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 26, and we'll see how this ties together. Hebrews 12, 26. Is it all right if we study the Bible at church? All right. It says, his voice shook the earth then, but now he is promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive the kingdom of God which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now listen to what Hebrews tells us. Hebrews says this, there's coming a time and there come times when God shakes everything. And he shakes everything. Why does God shake things up? Has God ever shaken things up in your life? Why does God shake things up? So that what can be shaken will be removed. And what cannot be shaken will remain. That means that God, when you decide to do God's will, he nails things down in your life. And once those things are nailed down in your life, when the shaking comes, when trouble comes or storms come or, or how, uh, howling winds come, everything that needs to go, goes. And everything that can't move, stays. And so what's left at the end of the storm is that which God has purposed for your life. So don't panic in the shakeup. Just understand this. God is getting things out of my life that he doesn't want in my life. And when the storm's over, what's nailed down is yours. And what's not nailed down, you didn't need and God didn't want in your life. Say amen, somebody. Can you live with that? You see, but when you've committed completely to doing God's will, you have that stability. Even in the midst of the shaking. What's eternal is going to last. What's God ordained and God designed for my life is going to last. Va a venir y vienen tiempos de sacudimiento y dice la escritura que esto ocurre Dios lo hace para que las cosas que pueden ser removidas sean removidas y las cosas que no pueden ser remo removidas permanezcan en, y cuando usted está completamente dedicado a hacer la voluntad de Dios cuando viene el, estre el, estre el, estre el, estre el extremo o viene el sacudimiento viene aquello uh, para sacudir lo que puede ser movido en su vida, usted no es movido porque está dedicado a hacer la voluntad de Dios. Entonces lo que permanece en su vida es lo que Dios ha clavado permanentemente en su vida. Y lo que fue movido, usted no lo, no lo necesitaba. All right, I want you to tell your neighbor this. I want to tell him this. Don't worry about it. What you lost, you didn't need. All right, can you, can you handle that? Can you say that again? Don't worry about it. What you lost, you didn't need. Listen, you did not lose anything in the last season that you needed for this season. 
So stop crying about it. You know what God told Samuel? Samuel had anointed Saul king. And now Saul was rejected by God. And he's crying about it. And God came to him and he said, how long will you mourn for Saul? I have rejected him. Stop crying about it. I know he was your man and he was your vision of what a king would be. And he was the man you anointed. But that's, that's done now. That season is over. I've shaken that up. And it's gone now. You don't need Saul. This is what God told David. Get up. Say, get up. Get up. Take your horn of oil and go anoint David. He said, take your horn of oil because I have found a man after my own heart. What did God say to Samuel? Stop crying about the stuff you lost because I have something that's nailed down. I have something that's permanent. And what, what you lost was a man who was led by the flesh, who was led by his own desires, his own ambition. But I have a man who is after my heart. I have a man who has sold out to my will and my purpose for uh, his life and for the nation of Israel. Can I just tell you tonight, stop crying. Get up. Take your horn of oil. What does that mean? Take the anointing that God has put on your life and go and do the job that God called you and created you to do. Say amen, somebody. Stop crying about yesterday. God has something greater than what you lost. Can you say amen? This is what we call a long obedience in the same direction. Esto es lo que llamamos una larga obediencia en la misma dirección. Say that with me. Long obedience in the same direction. Now that does not sound like a movie title you want to go watch, does it? We want action. God's not looking for action. He's looking for long obedience in the same direction. Where is God leading? You go in that direction however long it takes. And this is a long haul. Nobody said amen. This is a long haul. The Bible says that he who is faithful to the end shall receive the crown of life. All right, some people want to try God. You ever heard? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try church. I, I remember one time we were at a restaurant and a lady came up to the table. She had just been in church that service. She had, she had been out of church for a long time. And, and she said, oh, I made it back to church. Let's see if this time I can stick with it. I was like, she failed before she started. She already made, she already made room for failure. You can't live like that. Well, let's see if I can commit to God. Uh, let's see if I can do God's will. I'll try it for two years. I'll try it for five. No, you've got to have a long obedience in the same direction. You look around in our church, you see the elders of our church. What are... What are uh, Doc, uh, Sister Addie and Brother Dale and Sister Freeman doing, they have an example of long obedience in the same direction. And that's an example to us. We have to stick with it. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. It may cost me, but I'm not turning around. 
Now there's a second principle I want you to think about tonight. Aquí está un segundo principio esta noche, and that is the principle of order or arrangement. Este es el principio de orden. Basically, this principle says that you must do God's will first before you enjoy God's blessing. Este principio es el principio de que tenemos que poner en orden las cosas. Primero la obediencia, luego la bendición. And we like to, we like to negotiate with God. Like, God, bless me first, and then I'll obey. I've never seen it happen. You know, I, I was a missionary for eight years. The Lord would, would tell me, I want you to go to Peru. I want you to go to Chile. I want you to go to Argentina. He'd open doors in Africa. Never once did he provide the money before I needed it. Not once. $10,000 trips, $20,000 trips. Never once. In fact, we took a, a trip that cost about, uh, about $15,000. And when, when we started, I had $40 in the bank. Man of faith and power right there. This is what we're starting with. All right? If you wait to have the money in the bank to do the will of God, you'll never have the money and you'll never do the will. You've got to decide, I'm going to do what God said to do. God will provide. Somebody say, God will provide. God's going to meet the need. God's going to show up. But not until you have taken the step. Not until you have begun the long obedience. And guess what? All you need to do is take that step, that first step. God says, all right, go give him what he needs. Take her what she needs. But in, as long as we're sitting on the front porch waiting for our ship to come in, just waiting for our blessing, waiting for our check to come in the mail, it's not coming. You've got to decide, I'm going to obey God, and God will take care of the rest. I read this quote today. The man said, I'm going to do God's will. And if God says jump through the wall, I'm going to jump and God has to get me through. He said the jumping is my job and the through is, jo is God's job. Now, now I don't want you jumping through any walls tonight, all right? I'm not, I'm not doing that altar call tonight. But you understand what, what I mean? You have to do the jumping. God will do the through. God will, God will work the, the rest of it out. And we've seen that so often, John chapter 7 and verse 17, let's look at that, that's important. Now, I, what I'm doing here is I'm reading these Bible verses to you, which you've read before, but I don't think we often enough stop to just read the actual grammar of the text to see what God uh, is teaching us. Look at what John 7, 17 says. It says, if anyone is willing to do his will, is there anybody here willing to do his will? It says, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus is saying here. If you are willing to do God's will, then you'll know. First comes the doing, then comes the knowing. We often want to understand first and obey second. God says no. It's a principle of order. You obey first, and then you'll understand. How many of you have had that happen to you? You obey God, and then you understood. Years ago, the Lord uh, indicated to me that he wanted to change the name of this church to Kingsway Church. First thing I said was, Lord, if I do that, they'll fire me. And then months later, he kind of just kept 
nudging, nudging, nudging. Finally, I did it. It wasn't until I told the elders, this is what I believe the Lord wants to do, that I got home. And the moment I got in the house, he said, this is why. It was a little late because I just left the meeting. It would have been real nice to know why when I was in there with them. <laughs> and he said, I am going to change the identity of this church. I'm going to give it a new identity. And you are going to see me raise the poor out of the ash heap and cause them to sit with kings. Now I had the why, but I first had to do the will. And that principle is not going to be changed. God's not going to change that. And uh, we read about it in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, and then you'll prove what is the will of God. You see that? You have to first present your body, present yourself as a sacrifice to God to say, I'm going to do your will. And once you've done that, now he says, you'll prove what is the will of God, which is uh, acceptable and perfect. So that is the second principle. And don't get it out of order. When God reveals what he wants to do in your life, you have to take the step. And I'll give you an example what, what happens here every week at Kingsway Church. The Lord, I'll go through in prayer and saying, Lord, what do you want me to speak about this week? What do you want me to, to say? What is your message? Sometimes he'll give me a word, one word. Not a whole lot to work with right there. But when it comes from God, it's a suitcase. Sometimes he'll give me a phrase. Sometimes it's a text. Sometimes it's an analogy. Whatever it is that he uses to communicate to me what he wants me to say, and often he'll confirm it in three ways. Now, my job is to get in the study and go and study that word and investigate that phrase or that text and draw as much life out of it as I can and then be led by the Spirit, arranging it in the order that God wants me to deliver it, and then I deliver God's word. And sometimes I come to the pulpit and say, I don't know who this is going to help. I have no idea who this is going to help. And then it always happens that somebody will say, Pastor, that is what I needed to hear. God spoke to me. God did it again. What are we witnessing there? We're witnessing the process of making a decision by the Spirit. And you have to live that way. Everything you do in your life, you're saying, God, I'm going to do your will. What do you want? And once he reveals that, now it's your job to go and do. Go and, and do the research. Go and do the study. And go and talk to the people. Whatever the work is that God has in front of you to do, you're going to have to be a part of that. And he will use you. Now, number three is the necessity of a renewed mind. Now, look at Romans chapter 12 again, verse 1 and 2. What do we see here? It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now listen. You and I need a renewed mind in order to be sold out to the, to the will of God. Because God's will makes sense to nobody but people with a renewed mind. Say amen, somebody. 
La voluntad de Dios no tiene sentido sino a los que tienen una mente renovada. Si su mente no está renovada, usted no va a entender la voluntad de Dios. You go and tell an unconverted man, God wants you to give him 10% of your income every month. He says, you are crazy. I'm not going to do that. So how come you and I do it? Say amen, somebody. Why do we, why do, we do it? Because we have a renewed mind. We have a new mind. We have a new perspective. And so if you're going to do God's will, you've got to have a renewed mind. And if what God is telling you to do isn't making sense, ask him to renew that part of your thinking. Because when our mind is renewed, we have a spiritual mind. Now we can understand spiritual things. The Bible says uh, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the natural man cannot perceive the things of God. Can't do it. He doesn't have the tools for it. El hombre natural no puede percibir las cosas de Dios. Solo el hombre espiritual lo puede hacer. Por eso si usted le dice a un hombre natural que dé el diezmo a la iglesia, no, le va, no va a tener sentido eso. ¿Cómo voy a, voy a trabajar yo y dar 10% de lo mío a la iglesia? Pero usted y yo lo hacemos. ¿Por qué? Porque tenemos una mente renovada. Y cuando nuestros pensamientos son renovados, ahora podemos hacer la voluntad de Dios. Our renewed mind now allows us to get an agreement with God. It allows us to, to uh, make a decision about it. If I say to you, we're going to fast for 21 days, the natural man can only understand that from the natural point of view. But you and I understand it from the spiritual point of view. Because we know that this is the, uh, the will of God and it's going to be uh, producing something in our life because God has renewed our thinking about it. So I just want to challenge you. If there are areas where your will and God's will are colliding, ask God to renew your mind in that area. If, you're, if your will and God's will are colliding in, in your relationships, you need a renewed mind. If your will and God's will are colliding in your finances, you need a renewed mind. All you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to change your mind about it. And if you give him access to that, he will. Say amen, somebody. And you just, you just watch how he does it. Because you'll hear, the, you'll hear the preacher say something, and you say, how did he know that? Don't you ever just feel like God set you up? Now, y'all were just talking about that in the car. And now here you are airing my laundry in front of the whole church. But you heard it, you received it, you perceived it because your mind has been renewed. Principle number four is the principle of humility. El principio número cuatro es el principio de la humildad. Uh, look at what James chapter four, verse 13 says. Fíjese lo que dice Santiago, capítulo cuatro, verso trece. Now, James says this. He says, come now, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Now, James is calling out people who make plans. How many of you are planners? I'm a planner. All right. But James says, 
listen now, if you're the kind of person that says, I am going to go and do this, and this is going to be the outcome. I'm going to go to this college, and these are the things I'm going to do. That was what I was thinking in the year 2000. I'm going to go to Southern Methodist University, and I'm going to get this degree. And that was not what God wanted for my life. But I had to stop and submit to God's will. Now, this is where we need the principle of humility. Because he says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So he said, be careful making big plans about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And your life and my life is a thread. It doesn't take anything more than just a little pair of scissors to cut us between this life and eternity. It could be an accident. It could be a, uh, a, a sudden illness. Whatever it could be can just take our, our, our life out and snuff it out in a moment. So there has to be some hum humility when we go into life with big plans and big hopes. He says, you don't know what your life will be. Instead, this is what you ought to do. Now notice, he doesn't say, instead, sit on your front porch and just wait on God. Okay, he doesn't say that. Say amen, somebody. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, I will go to such a city and do this or that. All right, so he doesn't say, don't make plans. Don't set goals. Don't have a vision. He's not saying that. He's saying, make plans, make goals, have a vision, but begin with saying, Humility there, if God wills, I'll go to this college. If God wills, I'll take this job. If God wills, I'll go on that vacation. If God wills, I will save up this kind of money for that project. If God wills, and now you are humbling yourself in recognition of the fact that I have some desires in my heart, I have some plans in my heart, but they are subject to the will of God. And if he says no, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm going to accept his will. I'm going to walk in obedience for a long route until he has proven his perfect will in my life. He says, instead you should say, if God wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So I want you to, to learn to practice that in your life and just say, Lord willing. Lord willing, I'm going to take that job. Lord willing, I'm going to go on vacation this summer. What you're doing is you're submitting your plans to God's plans. This is what the Bible says, that if you will submit your way to the Lord, your plans will be established. God will make your plans good. When you have submitted them to him. When you have said, Lord, if you want to change the plan, we'll do what you want. And sometimes we get so committed to our will. We get so committed to our way, our plan, that when God decides to go another direction, we just hold on to it. Cling to it. And it ends up costing us time and it costs us money because it's expensive living out of the will of God. Say amen, somebody. You know that, right? It's terribly expensive living out of the will of God. You'll buy the wrong stuff. You'll buy stuff that doesn't work. 
You'll go places and waste your money. You'll lend money to people that will never pay you back. It's expensive to live outside of the will of God. But when you say, God, if you're willing, these are the things I want to do. And you humble yourself and you let him be the one to bless and direct your life. He says, I'll establish your steps. All of your ways will be established. All of your ways will be firm and steadfast as you walk in that commitment to God. So here's what I want to challenge you to do tonight. I want to challenge you tonight to sell out to God's will. Sell out to God's will for your life. Well, what is God's will, Pastor? If I knew what God's will was, I would sell out to it. No, I'm challenging you to sell out to God's will. This is how it looks. God gives you a blank sheet of paper and says, sign at the bottom. How many of you would sign a contract like that? Just sign at the bottom. I'll print the contract later. <laughs> I don't think so. God says, if you want my complete blessing, you want my, you want my success in your life, sign at the bottom. And let me fill in the contract. Let me fill in the terms. Let me put in the plan. And you'll see me establish all of your ways. And every one of us who's done that, we've seen God fill in those lines with good things. Good things. Has God given you good things? Let's go to one more place. Psalm chapter 21. Psalm 21, verse 1. O Lord, in your strength the king will be glad. And in your salvation, how greatly he will rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire. Why do you think God has given King David his heart's desire? Because David had a heart completely sold out to God's will. He said, you have given him his heart's desire and you have not withheld the request of his lips. David says, you have not left his prayers unanswered. How many of you would like your prayers to get answered? So that you can say, God has not left any of my prayers unanswered. I don't even know if we would know what to do with that kind of blessing. I'm like a dump truck. You just dump it all on you. That's what David said. I sold out to God. God sold out to me. And I can tell you he's done that in my life as well. He says, you meet him with blessings and good things. David says, God not only gave me the desires of my heart, he not only answered the, my prayers, but he came out to meet me on the road. And he gave me blessing, the blessing of good things. And he set a crown of fine gold on my head. God wants to meet you tomorrow morning when you walk out of the house and you're walking in the direction of whatever it is you're going to do tomorrow. God wants to meet you on the way. And just bless your socks off. Amen, somebody. And what I want you to do tonight, if you just, if you know I'm committed to God, you can walk out of your house tomorrow and know I'm going to run into blessings today. I'm going to run into God's 
provision today. I'm going to run into God's favor today. I'm going to run into God's supply today. Somebody say amen. And God says, I'm going to bless you on the way. I'm going to come out to meet you. When you're not even looking for it, when you're not even praying for it, you're not even asking for it, just going through your daily routine, God says, I'll show up and I'll bless you. If you're completely sold out to me. Will you do that tonight? If you've already committed to that, can I just tell you, keep obeying in the same direction. Just keep on keeping on. Stay the course. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Don't give up. And if you're colliding with God's will in your life, surrender tonight. God commands men everywhere to repent. Surrender. Repent. Say, God, I've been doing this my own way. I've been fighting you. I've been fighting your will. I've been fighting your timing. I'm going to just stop all that, and I'm going to say, you do it your way. And when you do that, you humble yourself before God. You'll be exalted. Let's stand together. Come on, let's just have a prayer meeting right now, right where you are. Just lift your hands. Tell God what you need him to hear from your heart tonight. Just commit to him. What's what's he waiting for from you tonight? Just to believe him. Just to trust him. Commit your way to the Lord and your plans will be established. Let the Holy Spirit guide your prayers tonight. Father, tonight we submit to you any area of our life where you have not had lordship and sovereignty, where we have ruled in our own way. We submit that to you tonight. We lay it down before you tonight. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge you tonight. We could not have come this far except because of your goodness and your grace and we could not go to the end. We, we will not make it home except because of your goodness and your grace. Tonight we lay down our, our fight, our control. We lay down our desire to handle it ourselves. We just lay that down tonight and we say, you're God. You're in control. Your will is my food. Your desire is my food. Father, I pray for release of blessing upon your people. Those who have been walking in a long direction, a long obedience for a long time. I just pray that you would meet them on the road with blessing. Already they're seeing your favor. Already they're seeing your kindness. I pray multiply it, oh God, over and over and over. Double it over and over and over again. Do not withhold their prayers from them, but rather give them their answer. In the name of Jesus, Almighty God, we are so amazed at your kindness toward us. We want to be that church and we want to be that people fully committed, fully surrendered, 
to do your will, O oh God. We don't always understand. We don't always have clarity, but we trust you. We trust you. We put you first. I pray for vision tonight. Give your people vision. Open their spiritual eyes that they can see that your plan is way bigger than they imagined. That those things they saw when they were children, those dreams and visions that they saw as a young person have not died, you have not forgotten, and you will do what you promised. For you are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should change your mind. What you spoke to them through dreams and visions and prayers in the night, you will do it. It shall come to pass just as you have spoken it. <laughs>